one day I was seriously ill in hospital and I asked my mother to just bring in, bring in a bunch of books. I'm going to be here for a very long time. And Master and Margarita was the one that showed up. So that touched me. That book really um, made me think a lot about imagery and um, the type of uh, narratives that I'd like to produce in the future as an artist. Welcome back to another season. Today we talk to Laura Futz about her upcoming solo exhibition at Pushkin House, The Master, Margarita and The Artist. From the heart of Bloomsbury, London, you're listening to the Pushkin House podcast. Me not being from London is significant because I think um, what you're going to record on this podcast is a fake accent that I've cultivated, I've nurtured over the past decade or so, maybe longer. Um, so I'm originally from a working class suburb of Birmingham and my um, mum and dad, they didn't go to university, they didn't finish um, high school education. They left at 15, both of them, because they had a big family they needed to support. I had no one as a precedent who'd been to university or done anything artistic to show me the way. It was all a bit murky. I was lucky enough um, when I was around 16 um, to fall into a crowd of middle-class friends from my middle-class state school. State school still, but it was like an ex-grammar school in the Bourneville area of Birmingham, very nice catchment area. I felt a bit like an outsider there, and that's where I started to modify my accent and and take on middle-class mannerisms and start to read the books that they had read already from having those books on their libraries at home. And In our house, we had the Sun newspaper on on the side, and... um, we watched a bit of Coronation Street, and it was <laughs> but my father had, um, as I think I've mentioned, something different from working class families is that he had an interest in language, uh, learning Russian himself. I don't know where this came from because he grew up in slum. Laura's father saw languages and education as the ticket out of the slums and into an adventurous life of discovery for him and his family. When in school, Laura learned French, German and Spanish. She started learning Russian and her father decided to give her one of his old cassettes. A cassette that would become a turning point in Laura's decisions on her future. Oldest piece of technology I've ever seen. (laughs) In fact, he he presented that to me when I was uh, about 16 years old, when I started learning Russian. It's a recording of, it's like a Soviet workbook of like what Russia, it's like a historical document. It doesn't work very well. I've tried to play it. It's been through the wars. It's moved around Birmingham. It's been battered by kids and whatever. I didn't end up using it in the end, but just him transferring that piece of technology to me Hmm. made me think, you know, maybe I should do something different. What, what was the decision in the end? What gave me freedom from the expectations of getting a concrete job and taking languages of law and moving forward with that? It was the disease in the end. Um, I had Crohn's disease since I was 13. I was diagnosed quite early and it was very aggressive and I had instantly lots of open bowel surgeries where I'd have um, big heavy narcotics and have to be anaesthetised and, and in hospital for days, weeks and convalescing, not being able to walk for, for a long time, months. So I would um, use languages first of all as a form of entertainment. I would start te- teaching myself new languages and improving on the languages I already learned from school. But the body of work that I read through 
the escapism of reading foreign literature and getting out of Birmingham, getting out of the hospital bed and getting out of this class system that's just inherent and really drags you down from you become aware of it from an early age when you know you can't keep up with the more affluent around you. So escaping all that and just stripping it down to stories and narratives and, and mythologies and, and images that I got from, from the books I read, from French poetry, and then there was um, German Thomas Mann, and Budenbrooks, and I just love stories. I love um, Spanish novels. Federica García Lorca, loads and loads. I mean, the list could go on and on. And then I got attracted to Russian literature because Russian was something I had to give up. Um, studying because of my disease so I thought well I can't really teach myself this language is too hard but I can learn more about the culture and read the literature so I started reading. One day I was seriously ill in hospital and I asked my mother to just bring bring in a bunch of books I'm going to be here for a very long time and Master Margarita was the one that showed up and I started reading that and just the imagery and the ideas that came came from the text especially when I was under the influence of some quite serious drugs. I was uh, having epidurals and I was taking a lot of morphine and somehow that all kind of collided in a beautiful uh, planetary alignment of the best conditions that you could possibly want to, to really um, connect to this text. And apparently Bulgakov himself was um, self-medicating with morphine throughout the process of making this. And then he burnt it and then he dreamt back the whole manuscript wow. because he couldn't remember he had to just remember from from memory the whole story That's to get it published again or to, to re, uh, reclaim the manuscript after having burnt it so it's very dreamlike everything about it is like touched with like dreams and mixed realities and lucidity and maybe a bit of insanity and there's morphine in there and there's like all kinds, I mean, that's, that's just the aesthetics, not to mention the political levels that, and all kinds of other narratives going on. So that touched me. That book really um, made me think a lot about imagery and um, magical realism and the type of uh, narratives that I'd like to produce in the future as an artist. Master Margarita really changed my aesthetic when I read that novel when I was first in convalescence. It was something that really catalyzed a change in my style and my approach to narratives and my approach to reality and how I like to break it down and have several time zones in my work. I like to play with movement, I like to play with ambiguity as well as hyper detail. I like to have both. I like these juxtapositions because I feel like I'm um, caught in between things as well. What are people going to see in Pushkin House? Um, we're still figuring out where we're going to fit the largest pieces, but I think what I hope most of all, and I've said this to several people along this journey, is um, my, my parents are coming down to London, which is a big deal, and I really want them to come along. They have n not read the novel at all. I want them to be able to look at the pictures and just see something. They, I want them to find something of themselves in it maybe, look at the houses or the fragments of architecture or even bits of the narrative, not see any specific character because they won't understand um, who it is or how it relates to the novel, but maybe see something from their own childhood in there or something they've experienced. Thank you, Laura, so much for speaking to us today. And we're really, really looking forward to the 1st of November and the opening of The Master, Margarita and the Artist. 
Well, thank you very much, Boromir. I can't wait to be here. And thank you very much, Pushkin House, for hosting this event. And I hope everyone who comes enjoys the work. <laughs> We're excited <laughs> to see you. Thank you very much for listening to the Pushkin House podcast. I'm Laura Foots, the artist behind Master Margarita and the Artist Exhibition. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Thank you.